Jonathan Quick, Artemi Panarin, and Alexi Lafreniere come up clutch for the Rangers in a 2-1 to overtime win over the Avalanche. But for real now, do we have a goalie controversy? You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 999 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started and we are of course part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so rangers uh coming out of the break long layoff there more than a week they come away with a thrilling two to one win over the colorado avalanche obviously it was not perfect there's a lot of things we're going to talk about that it seems like the rangers uh could certainly do a little bit better but regardless i think when you're going up against a team that is among the truly elite teams in this league and has obviously been playing very well recently in general, and you're down by a goal in the third period with less than 10 minutes to go, and you find a way to tie it, then win it in overtime, I think pretty much everybody uh, has to take that and has to feel at least somewhat good about a win like that. I mean, I know I was jumping out of my seat when Lafreniere scored that overtime winner in, you know, the, a couple of minutes into the extra time there, and um, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only one who was doing that, you know, among Ranger fans, but we got to start with Jonathan Quick. He was once again, absolutely fantastic in this game. It's a pretty evergreen statement that um, I've been making pretty much the entire season here. Uh, but he just continues to defy, smash all expectations. He ends up stopping 32 of 33 shots. The Rangers, of course, needed every single one of those saves that he made. Uh, I thought he made a bunch of his best saves when the Rangers were down one nothing in this game. He also allowed them to overcome what I thought was a pretty shaky start for the Rangers, and we'll elaborate on that a little bit later. You also had the Avalanche getting three power play opportunities in the first period. They went 0 for 3, and of course, you know, that's a team effort. The Ranger penalty killers, I thought, uh, looked good while the Avs had the man advantage during the first period a couple different times there, but regardless, cliche or not, you need your goalie to be your best penalty killer, and Quick was just as sharp when the Rangers were shorthanded as he was when the Rangers, you know, were, were playing 5v5 on this night, and Obviously, he was rightfully the number one star of this game. Even had the secondary assist on the overtime game winner uh, for the Rangers. And again, we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves there. We'll, we'll get back to that uh, a little bit later. But the one thing I want to talk about right now is this constantly emerging storyline that I don't think can really be ignored or overshadowed or even downplayed for that much longer. I will say, I feel like Steve Valaket after this game, he was the first, you know, Ranger analyst or beat writer or podcaster or even, I mean, a couple of fans of him, I'm sure have done it, but he's the first like, you know, prominent Ranger media member uh, that I think is really kind of gone there, quote unquote, and just flat out said after the game, this is, uh, I'm paraphrasing maybe just a little bit, but he basically said after the game, my vote is for Jonathan Quick for starting goalie until proven otherwise. And it's gotten to the point where 
I don't know that we can ignore the elephant in the room all that much longer. I know Igor Shosturkin just made the all-star team and obviously played in the all-star game, but he has been outplayed in just about every conceivable way by his 38-year-old backup goalie this season. I realize, you know, that's not your typical run-of-the-mill 38-year-old goalie. It's Jonathan Quick. The guy's a legend, a slam dunk Hall of Famer, three-time Stanley Cup champion, the best player on those Kings teams that won those two Stanley Cups, and um, obviously has, you know, settled into a backup role. We weren't so sure that, you know, Jonathan Quick, I mean, when has this guy ever been a backup in his life? But it's something that he's become acclimated with, and obviously he played very good here. He played very well in the Sanders game before the break. I said before this game happened, because we knew in our last episode, again, before this game against the Avalanche occurred, that Jonathan Quick was going to be between the pipes for this game uh, for the Rangers. And I said I wouldn't really read too much into it. Laviolette said, you know, before the game that that was basically the Rangers' mindset. That was their game plan coming out of the All-Star break here. Again, Igor played in the All-Star game, and you've got, you know, a game not too long after that against the Avalanche, and you can throw Jonathan Quick out there, and he can handle the first game back. It's not unprecedented either. The Rangers under Gerard Gallant actually did the same thing last year. Igor Shesterkin, after the All-Star break, did not start the first game back. They went with Yaroslav Halak, and that was that crazy 5-4 to four overtime win that they had over the Flames. But the reason also that I said that I wouldn't read too much into this decision to go with Quick here is because I figured that, you know, they go with Quick here and they would go with Igor against the Lightning because, you know, looking at the lay of the land and the schedule coming up and obviously the fact that the Rangers just had more than a week off, I figured that you'd probably be looking at Igor getting one of the first two games out of the break, Quick getting the other one. And again, you reason that Igor just played in the All-Star game. You go with Quick the first game back. And then a favorable matchup for Igor Shesterkin against the Lightning. Now, on paper, that's not a favorable matchup for any goalie. But it does seem like Igor's always up for those games against Tampa. And he's really had their number lately. He's basically owned them uh, the last couple of seasons here. Been very, very good against them. Even in the playoffs a couple of years ago, the conference final, Igor was very good in that series. He's certainly not the reason why the Rangers you know, lost that series in six games. But I figured, again, you know, quick for the first game, Igor for the second one. Apparently, that is not going to be the case because just before I hit record here, you know, the Rangers were practicing, and a tweet goes out from Arthur Staple that Jonathan Quick was the first goalie off the ice at Ranger practice a little bit earlier today on Tuesday here. And that doesn't really mean that it's official. You know, the Rangers haven't made a, an announcement where, okay, this guy is definitely starting against Tampa, but the first goalie off the ice, Usually is an indication of who will play. It is Jonathan Quick. And now some eyebrows are going to start to go up because you've had this lengthy layoff here and you're giving Jonathan Quick both of the first two games against two tough opponents out of the break uh, right to start things off here. And he also got the final game before the All-Star break. Now that was the second game of a back-to-back against the Senators there, so it made sense at the time. But anyway, you slice it here, we're looking at a stretch of about... I don't know, what is it, like getting close to, it's got to be about a week and a half right now or even approaching two weeks. I don't know the exact number of days, but that's a long time for Igor Shesterkin to go without starting a game for the New York Rangers. Now, of course, this could just mean that it's not like a legitimate benching. In a sense, it is, but it might just be a situation where the Rangers are going to look to go with the hot hand for a little while here. And right now, that's Jonathan Quick. Kind of reminds me of a few years ago, more than a few years ago, but, you know, anti-Ranta got really hot. Lundqvist was dealing with a minor injury and, and Lundqvist was still basically prime Lundqvist at that point. 
but Ronta was just on fire, and they had to kind of ride the hot hand for a little while there, and that's what they did, and of course, Lundqvist eventually got the net back. Something similar could happen with Igor Shesterkin here, but again, you are 50 games into the season now. It's getting very, very difficult to overlook the discrepancy in the stats between these players. If you just look at the eye test, if you look at you know how they fare in certain situations during the game, if Quick gives up an early goal, it wasn't like a super early goal that he allowed to McKinnon in this game, but it was the first period. He can slam the door. Igor Shesterkin hasn't really been doing that. You kind of know how it's going to go this season for Igor Shesterkin based on how like the first 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes maybe, or maybe even the entire first period, but based on how the early parts of the game goes, that's usually how it's going to go for Igor Shesterkin the rest of the night. And there just hasn't been too many examples of him closing the door if he gives up an early goal or an early couple of goals or a soft goal, whatever the situation might be. It seems like it's been snowballing a little bit on Igor Shesterkin. And that hasn't really been the case with Quick. You know, Quick's just been solid night in and night out. And uh, if he does give up a goal, it doesn't seem to bother him too much. I saw somebody on Twitter pose the question, if the playoffs started right now, do you go with Igor Shesterkin or Jonathan Quick? And it's a tough decision. It's a much tougher decision than I think any of us probably could have possibly anticipated that it would be at this point in the season. And as I mentioned, when the Rangers signed Jonathan Quick in the offseason, I, I like the move. I think I like the move more than most Ranger fans. Just thought, you know, you should never count out a legend. And uh, this is somebody that, you know, the Rangers don't have money to spend on a backup goalie anyway. Jonathan Quick probably makes some sense. Um, but now, you know, you're in a situation where you have a legitimate goalie controversy here. And that's something that I don't think anybody could have possibly seen coming uh, as we approach the start of this season. But as far as, you know, to answer that question right now, right here, the way things have been going, I might have to give Jonathan Quick a game one start if the playoffs, once again, began right now. It's not a small sample size anymore. One goalie has clearly outperformed the other. If you just look at the stats, if you just look at the eye test, if you take away the fact, you know, all their statuses and their accolades that they've won, the fact that, you know, Jonathan Quick is 38 years old, you take that off the table. You take the fact that Igor has been amazing his first four seasons in the league. You take that off the table. If you just look at how things stand right here, right now, I don't see how you can go uh, with Igor Shesterkin over Jonathan Quick. But I will also say, I'm glad the playoffs don't start right now because, as I've maintained on here, I do think that if the Rangers are going to be the last team standing, they're going to be uh, the team left on the ice, confetti falling if they're at home, and uh, you know holding the Stanley Cup trophy over their heads and and having you know just just an amazing moment and a moment that none of us will ever forget. If that is to occur, I gotta believe it's going to be Igor Shesterkin leading the charge. As good as Jonathan Quick has been, he's 38 years old. And again, never count out a legend. You never know what, you know, somebody as good as him is capable of doing, even, you know, at this point in his career, obviously being a veteran. But I just feel, again, that if the Rangers are to be the final team standing, the Stanley Cup champions, it's going to be because Igor Shesterkin regains, you know, that Vesna form. He doesn't have to be as good as he was two years ago. Very difficult for any goalie to be that good for an entire season. But he's got to be at least somewhat close at it. He's got to be better than he's been uh, to this point in the season. So I still think the Rangers' best chance is to go with Igor Shesterkin. But if this keeps going the way that it's going, and Igor just keeps struggling and can't really seem to get it on track, and Jonathan Quick continues to defy all expectations, and the Rangers are going to have a heck of a decision to make uh, going into the first game of the first round of the playoffs. And that's a conversation. I mean, we'll keep having this conversation as the season progresses here because this is a storyline that's not going to be going away anytime soon. Unless, again, Igor Shesterkin really steps it up and really starts playing like the goalie that we all expect him to be. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely food for thought. It's definitely something we'll keep an eye on uh, going forward here. 
We're also going to, you know, throughout this episode, continue to talk about some of Jonathan Quick's best saves. It's going to pop up here and there because he was outstanding in this game, like we mentioned. Uh, in just a second, though, we're going to talk about the Rangers turning this game around in the third period, getting everything rolling and getting back on track and playing their best hockey of the night. Obviously, tying this game, sending it to overtime, and ultimately coming away with two points. We're going to break down everything that happened there in just a second. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you will get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Also, definitely want to let everybody know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, so we'll go ahead and keep everything rolling here and uh, talk a little bit about this awesome rally that the Rangers had here. You know, it wasn't looking so good after the first two periods. Obviously, you're only down a goal. You don't give up or anything like that, but they just weren't playing their best, and it kind of felt like somewhat more of the same. I mean, it's not like they were dreadful in this game, but they just seemed to be lacking that jump, uh, maybe lacking energy at times in this game, and uh, basically being suffocated by the Avalanche, who were you know, as Sam and Joe were pointing out, not necessarily known as a great defensive team, but a team that has tightened things up defensively recently. The second period was just a complete stalemate. I mean, I guess you got to give some props to the Rangers because they also kind of slowed down the avalanche at least a little bit in the second period and played better in the second period did the Rangers than they did in the first. Um, but again, you know, you get into the third period and, you know, four minutes into the third period, I wrote into my notes that the Rangers look better in these first four minutes here than they have looked for the entire first 40 minutes of this game put together. Uh, just a lot more jump, more urgency, uh, seemingly more scoring chances in the first four minutes of this third period than, once again, the entire first two periods put together. It all started with a really good opening shift from the Panarin line. You got Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. You also had Fox and Lindgren on the ice. And hey, you know what? The, the way things have been going lately for the Rangers, obviously scuffling for the month of January, Maybe this is the quintet that should be starting every period for the Rangers. We've seen the Rangers start different lines at the start of the game, at the start of different periods. The fourth line went through a stretch early in the season where I thought they were playing pretty well. And for a while there, they were getting rewarded uh, by starting games, starting different periods. Uh, we've obviously seen the Mika line at the start of periods as well. But based on just this start that these guys got the Rangers off to in the third period, give me these five. Give me Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere, Fox, Lindgren, for the foreseeable future at the start of every game, at the start of every period. I thought, again, they were outstanding. And while we're talking about Lindgren, should also mention that 
you know, he got a puck. I, I think it was like a puck in the knee or something like that and had to limp to the bench, drag himself to the bench. Uh, he got back out there, though. He delivered a, a big hit on either his next shift or the one after that. Uh, big open ice hit for Ryan Lingren there. And apparently he was back at practice a little bit earlier today. So there don't seem to be any indications that there's any problem there, or that he's in any danger of uh, missing Wednesday's game against Tampa. So that's obviously good news. But as for this third period here, again, all started with a good first shift. And then you've got uh, Trocek attempting a one-timer on the rush. Uh, that was turned aside. But this was one of several scoring chances for the Rangers in the first couple minutes of the third period. And this kind of snapped the crowd out of it a little bit too. And I'm not blaming the crowd. I'm not blaming the fans. They didn't really have anything uh, to get excited about early in this game. Like I said, just kind of a, a little bit of an uneven, kind of choppy game, a little bit sloppy by the Rangers from time to time, and just not really creating any scoring chances. There just wasn't, you know, that sequence in the first two periods where everybody kind of comes alive. And, okay, here we go. Now now we're into this game, and, you know, we're going to start scoring some goals here. None of that really happened, but they got into it here. You know, it took a just a couple of strong shifts by the Rangers at the start of the third period, and all of a sudden, Madison Scoregarden uh, was rocking. And you also had... Another good chance here, Kako passing out of the corner. He made a really nice move to get away from a defender in front to Braden Schneider. Puck may have hopped on him a little bit, but it looks like he just missed it in front of the net. Uh, you also had another scoring chance on the rush for the Rangers. Nice to see the Rangers creating off the rush and not being back on their heels against the rush. But you had Gustafson. He's carrying the puck up the ice. Uh, he got it to Wheeler on the right side. Wheeler then centered for Mika Zibanejad. One-timer is turned aside. Uh, right after this, though, Mika Zibanejad had the puck stolen from him in the neutral zone. He got McKinnon going in, uh, a shot there, and a nice pad save by Jonathan Quick because, obviously, once again, that kept the deficit for the Rangers at just one to nothing. And the way this game was going, uh, the lack of scoring chances the first couple of periods, 2 nothing again, not insurmountable even in the third period, but you're not going to be feeling good about your chances uh, if the Avalanche score a goal there. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the Rangers are kind of knocking on the door here. A lot of good chances to start the third period. And finally, they break through with the equalizer. This is basically all Panarin. It looked like he was, um, by this point in the game, double shifting. He was out there with Mika and Kreider for this one. You've got Panarin, you know, circling in the offensive zone after Mika won the faceoff. There were a couple of quick passes. I believe Mika, did he have it? And then he got to Schneider, to Miller, and then to Panarin. But like I said, this was basically all Panarin. Panarin gets control of the puck behind the avalanche net. He circles, you know, to his right, goes like, up around the entire rink, uh, goes all the way into the right face-off circle. He basically did like a three-quarters circle of the entire offensive zone here. And then finally, lets it fly. Uh, Mika Zibanejad's in front of the net, providing a screen. There was a lot of traffic there. And looks like it even got a piece of the far post. But regardless, Artemi Panarin gets it past Georgiev for the first Ranger goal of the night. This happens with less than nine minutes to go, one-to-one. And that is goal number 31 for Artemi Panarin. Not too long after this, I thought this was maybe Jonathan Quick's best save of the night and certainly his most clutch save of the night. Uh, this is with actually, it was a little bit after this. This was uh, about uh, 58 seconds ago. You've got uh, Nathan McKinnon charging up the left side. He gets to kind of like the goal line area, passes back to Rantanen, and Rantanen takes a shot and just an excellent point blank stop by Jonathan Quick, keeping the score tied at one to one with 58 seconds to go and a huge save because. You know, you at least want to get one point here. Obviously, ideally, you win the game, but to give up the go-ahead goal, less than a minute left, and you think, okay, we're at least going to get to overtime, we'll at least have a chance to not even have that happen. That that would have been a little bit of a gut punch, and just, again, an excellent save there uh, by Jonathan Quick coming up clutch 
for the Rangers. We also had some excitement right at the buzzer. Adam Fox got a pretty good shot away, uh, fought off by Alex Georgiev, and we head to the overtime period. And now we're set up for some heroics by Quick, by Mika, by Alexi Lafreniere, who got the game winner. Uh, one thing I do want to mention here, though, as far as the Rangers approach in overtime, they do something at the start of every overtime that I find a little bit odd. And you guys can share your thoughts on this and let me know what you think. But it seems like for LaViolette and this Ranger coaching staff, their preferred three starters for overtime and the three players that they go with at basically the start of every three-on-three overtime period are Mika, Kreider, and Miller. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. I mean, these are good options. These are good players. And obviously, Mika and Kreider, they, you know, you like their chances of possibly putting one in the net. But I don't know that this is the best option. I don't know that this is the best trio that the Rangers can possibly go with at the start of overtime. I would go with the trio that's typically second on the ice in overtime, and that's Trocek, that's Panarin, and that's Fox. And there's a couple of reasons for this. For starters, that opening face-off to begin overtime is absolutely huge. We've talked about that before on this podcast. If you lose that opening face-off, it's possible you don't even touch the puck because there's such an emphasis on possession when you're dealing with three-on-three overtime hockey. And obviously all that extra space, it increases the chances of a goal being scored. So if you lose that over, or if you lose that face-off to begin overtime, uh, you're kind of up against it a little bit. And that's almost exactly what happened here. Mika lost the face-off and you got Makar exploding to the net up the right side, put it a little bit wide, and the Rangers eventually got control of the puck. But it could have been over just as quickly as that. And you're going with Mika Zibanejad to take this face-off. And Mika's a good face-off guy. He's at 51.5% to start the season here. But you've got Vincent Trocek, who's at 61.8% to start the season. I mean, which player has a better chance of winning that all-important first face-off? Well, I got to say it's probably Vincent Trocek. And on top of that, I mean, do you really not want Panarin on the ice to start overtime? I mean, look at the season that this guy's having. Look at the amount of points that he produces on a nightly basis. He's in the MVP consideration, and now three versus three overtime hockey, you give a player like that all this extra real estate, all this extra space, why is he not starting the overtime period? And as far as Fox versus Miller, I mean, you can go with either one there, but Adam Fox, we talked about you know, what an excellent two-way defenseman he is. Obviously, in overtime, odd man rushes are not a rare occurrence because there's not a lot of players out there, and we've talked about how good Adam Fox is being the lone guy back when defending a two-on-one. On top of that, you know, a big part of Chris Kreider's game is getting in front of the net and looking for those deflections. And that's all well and good. And I mean, maybe he can pull that off in overtime too. But I don't know, three on three overtime, you can't really just park yourself in front of the net like you can when it's 5v5. Because again, there, there's so much open space out there and you got to be really aware of what's going on. I don't know that setting up shop in front of the net. I mean, you can do that. But is that really the best approach for three versus three hockey? I'm not so sure that it is. So for me, there's just a lot of reasons why. And it's nothing against Mika or Kreider or Miller. But I think the better option is Panarin and Trocek and Fox. So uh, rant over there or, or you know, uh, opinion over there, I, I guess we shall say. Um, but, you know, again, Rangers, it worked out. I, I can't argue with the result here because obviously they won the game. Avalanche eventually got possession of the puck. And you had... Uh, quick deflecting a shot by McKinnon with his glove. It went out of play. Uh, he followed up with a tough save on Taze not too long after that. Uh, you get the play stoppage there. And then you've got Goodrow, Lafreniere, and Fox on the ice. Goodrow wins the faceoff and then immediately leaves the ice to get Mika Zibanejad back out there. It's a defensive zone draw, so you can see why maybe you'd want Goodrow on the ice. Although, you, I mean, 
you could probably go with Mika there. They're about the same as far as face-off winning percentage and both known as good defensive, you know, forwards. So that might have been overthinking it a little bit. Bottom line, Goodrow won the face-off. That's what counts. And there's a situation here where the Avalanche have almost, they, they, they got the puck back and they play the puck forward. And Jonathan Quick has to come way, way out of his net to go get the loose puck up the left side there. And Quick gets to it and makes a pass to the center of the ice to Alexi Lafreniere. Now, he did connect on this pass, but I could not have possibly been the only Ranger fan holding my breath here because Quick kind of shanked his pass a little bit. And the Avalanche player, I think it might have been Taze, he kind of got in the way of the passing lane or, or came close to doing so. If Taze would have knocked this puck down, he's got an open path right to an empty net and he's going to score and there's nothing that anybody would have been able to do about it. So I definitely held my breath there. But bottom line, uh, Quick does complete the pass. He gets it to Lafreniere. Lafreniere goes up the middle of the ice in the neutral zone, passes to his right to Mika. Mika goes over the blue line, up the right side. Little drop pass for Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, Lafreniere is moving up the right side into the right face-off circle, stops on a dime, makes a move back to his left, and uh, just whips a quick shot into the far side of the net, and he scores, gives the Rangers a 2-1 to win. That's a hell of a win for the Rangers coming out of the break. And again, it was not perfect, but that's a feel-good win. Hopefully, that's something that the Rangers can build on. You know, the Rangers couldn't have felt good about the way they were playing overall going into the break. I know they got the big win against Ottawa, but They've been scuffling lately. It's a huge win here. It's a character win. They were not at their best, and they still found a way to rally and take down one of the truly elite teams in this league. So I think you got to be feeling pretty good about the Rangers getting two points in this game. Just going to take a quick break here, then we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. Uh, for, do want to talk about you know, the Rangers. Did they actually deserve to win this game? That's a topic we're going to get into in just a second. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, let's go ahead and keep everything rolling here. So kind of the debate that you could come up with coming into this game, because as we mentioned, it wasn't all perfect, but coming out of this game, the question did the Rangers really deserve to win this one? Did they really deserve the two points? I felt coming into this game that a win of any kind against the Avalanche, when you consider uh, how poor the Rangers played for good chunks of the entire month of January, when you consider the quality of the opponent, when you consider the long layoff. Now, on one hand, the Rangers should be back. They should be refreshed. They should be ready to go. But it's a little bit of a wild card, right? You know, being off for that amount of time, you never know exactly how a team is going to respond to that. So to me, two points of any kind in this game would be awesome for the Rangers. Now, the Rangers, based on how they played in the first two periods and kind of just squeaking away with the win, they kind of 
tested that theory of mine at least a little bit. But once again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think you still have to feel pretty good about this one. Again, knocking off a quality opponent, winning the game in overtime. Obviously, a lot of, uh, you know, fireworks at the end of this game. The deserve to win meter did not favor the Raiders at all after this one. I believe the Avalanche were at like 72% win prob- probability or something like that. Um, so there's that. Um, but I do think, again, there is something to be said for just hanging in there, battling until the end, not giving up, uh, putting your best foot forward at key points in the game, being at your best in the third period when you have not been at your best for the first two periods. And obviously, you know, three on three overtime, it's always going to be a little bit of a crapshoot, but guys have to dig down and find a way to get the job done. Rangers were, of course, able to do that. As far as like the bad points of this game, you know, I didn't like their start at all. You've got Gustafson taking a holding penalty against 57-year-old Zach Parise. Didn't really need to happen. Not too long after that, Kako takes a tripping penalty against Miles Wood, uh, you know, in the offensive zone. And that's all this is less than six minutes into the game. Uh, Trocek probably got away with a trip in the neutral zone. They didn't call that. Uh, Lafreniere also took a penalty in the first period, but we won't count that because the Avalanche player that got tripped, I believe it was Wood here, uh, clearly tripped over his teammate's stick. It was a bad call. Not a whole lot you can do about that one. But also, you know, the Avalanche, they get a rush into the Rangers zone just 15 seconds into the game. Rangers are already forcing Jonathan Quick to have to make a really quality save there with his blocker, which is exactly what he did. Uh, The Rangers only had 17 shots on net in the first two periods combined. It's not a completely like pitiful total, but it's not great either. And not enough quality scoring chances there in general. Now, Georgiev did make a couple nice saves here and there against his old team because, of course, he did. Um, But, you know, again, just not enough uh, second-chance opportunities, not enough chaos in front of Alex Georgiev. Too many guys settling for chances from, you know, along the boards or the blue line, whatever it might be, and just not too many uh, shots from the Rangers in the first two periods. They looked like they were destined uh, for the back of the net. You had a couple of turnovers, too. Uh, There was a bad one where... You know, Jones got the puck to Gustafson behind the Ranger net. Gustafson moved it up to Pitlick along the boards. Wood comes in and steals it. Uh, Quick has to stone him right there on the doorstep. There was also at the start of the second period, you know, Quick had to make had to make three straight saves, and the Rangers just not looking sharp at the start of the second period. So um, there are things you can nitpick for sure, but on the plus side, but the Ranger penalty kill was outstanding. Touch on that briefly earlier in today's episode, and obviously Jonathan Quick has a hand in that as well. But the Rangers really look good on the PK. And they kept McKinnon and McCarr and Rantanen mostly in check. Those are by far the three biggest threats on the Avalanche. And again, a lot of that was quick, but um, those three never really took over the game. And the Rangers, sounds like, you know, per LaViolette, they made a little bit of a defensive adjustment after the first goal was scored by McKinnon. And a little bit more on that in just a second here. Uh, unsung hero of the night. This is something that we're going to be doing a little bit more often going forward. I'm going to go with Ke'Andre Miller. He was engaged, locked in the entire game. People have been wanting him to play with a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more nastiness, and he did that. There was one big example of that. We'll get to that in just a second. You know, I know a lot of people are going to look at the goal by Nathan McKinnon, and obviously he went past Miller on that play, and Miller didn't look great there. But, you know, it is Nathan McKinnon, one of the best players in the league, obviously. And Peter LaViolette actually took the blame for that goal because he said that the Rangers, you know, they they weren't really prepared the way they were playing defense with the one, three, one, they weren't really prepared to deal with McKinnon's speed through the neutral zone. And that being the case, he, he felt like that was kind of on him for not having the Rangers, you know, in an alignment that would best, you know, slow McKinnon down. And obviously they made some adjustments per LaViolette after that. And um, obviously, you know, held the avalanche in check the rest of the way, but Miller was great. You know, again, keep in mind, 
he's out there without Jacob Truba, the guy that he's played the vast majority of his NHL career with. I mean, it's got to be at least 90% of the time that Miller's out there, at least 5v5, he's out there with Jacob Truba. Truba was still suspended for the one more game here. So Miller's playing with Braden Schneider. The two of them haven't played together all that often. Uh, he was also second on the Rangers in time on the ice with 22 minutes and 17 seconds. So he stepped up big in that department as well. He was literally one second behind Adam Fox as far as most time on the ice for the Rangers. Had the primary assist on the Panarin goal. Uh, again, nobody on the Rangers really had to do a whole lot here. I mean, Miko won the faceoff, and that's big. And, um, you know, Schneider makes a pass to Miller. Miller gets it to Panarin. But, hey, anytime you get the puck to Artemi Panarin, that's a good play. And, uh, obviously, Miller got it to Panarin on what turned out to be the game-tying goal here. And most encouraging is the way that he battled Rontanen early in the game. Kind of out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Miller and Rontanen are really going at it, basically in a wrestling match. Uh, Kreider was paired off with McKinnon while this was happening. But, um, again, people have been wanting a little bit more edge from Ke'Andre Miller. Uh, the two of them were tangled up in front of the Ranger net. Uh, Rontanen with a hard cross-check to Miller's back. This is after they kind of been going back and forth. Miller got back up from this, and he didn't, if you notice, if you watch the replay, he wasn't immediately ready to, like, attack Rantanen, but when Rantanen cross-checked Miller, he kind of also fell backward on top of Jonathan Quick, and when Miller noticed that he was, like, making contact with Quick and was on top of Quick, that's when Miller, you know, really went off. That's when he grabbed Rantanen almost in, like, a, like a chokehold, like a headlock, and takes him and just throws him down back first onto the ice, and they were kind of wrestling after that, and uh, they're both in the penalty box, and they're yelling back and forth. And I think, you know, Ranger fans in general, January, there just wasn't enough, like, fire and edge from this team. And Miller's one of those guys you'd like to see more uh, of that very thing from. You know, obviously, he, he's somebody that is a big guy out there, and he he does rack up some hits. But I think people are just looking for a little bit more edge from him. And, um, you know, they got it in this instance here. And the other awesome part about this is that in the middle of all this chaos— Miller technically drew a, a penalty. He got the Rangers a power play because Rontanen was assessed two for roughing and two for cross-checking. Miller only got the two for roughing. So that was uh, very good to see as well. Ke'Andre Miller, your unsung hero of this game. And obviously um, somebody that, again, I, I feel like has mostly been a good player since the Rangers drafted him. A little bit of an uneven first half of the season by his own admission. Not the best season that he's had thus far, but obviously you hope that he uh, starts to get it going. And um, he's one of many Ranger players that I think, and we've talked about this, we're all hoping that their best hockey this season is still in front of them. He, he's one of many players that I think fit that description. And when you consider the fact that the Rangers are in first place, despite that being the case, they're not in as bad of a situation as I think a lot of people uh, might be saying. But, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Another big game on Wednesday against Tampa. We'll be back here to talk about everything that happens in that game. But as always, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And uh, definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel as we are now closing in on 2,500 subscribers. Anybody that's already subscribed, thank you very much. And as always, I will see you guys next time.